Hi, I'm Patrick DeMarco, and um, you know, I know this quarantine thing has got people pretty, pretty fucked up right now. And um, you might be down to some of your last supplies, say toilet paper, and uh, you run out of solutions. So if you have a paper towel, here's what you do. Get it, take this little top off here, okay? Put that to the side, okay? Then take this, you get up in there, and you clean up all that shit, okay? Clean all of it, okay? Then when you're done, simply take this and get that spick and span. And that little piece that you pulled off, you clean right under your fingernail. There you go. So happy quarantining. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is May 3rd, and as of today, we have 3,504,364 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 245,185 deaths, and I got a great show for you. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or not that I start with that, but <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. How's it going, chat room? Good to see ya. <laughs> Behemoth, what's up, man? Valeria, how are you, my dear? Bad Syntax, what up? Zachary, how you doing, man? Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Wes, it's been too long. Where's my Wes, man? Uh, <laughs> dog, I just saw you earlier, didn't I? Crazy Hobbit, hope you're trimming those uh, toe hairs. It's gross. Toe hair. Toe hair is gross. Uh, peanut butter toast. Uh, Sean, how you doing, man? Uh, so, yeah, it's just like my friend Patrick DeMarco to give you some helpful hints for quarantine life. I think that was a valuable tip, and I'm very happy that he shared it. Though I have to be honest, normally when my finger breaks through the toilet paper, it's a complete accident, and I'm horrified. So, I don't know, maybe people's techniques. I know, I knew a dude. Okay, here. Quick poll in the chat room. I knew a dude, actually I knew three dudes, they were brothers, same family, hence brothers, um, childhood friends of mine. They all wiped their asses, guys, they all wiped their asses from the front. What kind of shit is that? Who does that? Who wipes? Because you have to, you have to then move aside everything and then like get under your carriage and make, what? why not just lift a cheek? Go from behind, problem solved. Why are you doing the gymnast the junk gymnastics? I don't Who does that? And if you're a girl, you better not ever be doing it from the front? What? Unless, you know, you're just drying up your cooch or something. But never, never wipe your butt from the front. Ever. I don't care if you're a chimpanzee. No one. 
that's weird. Just, and here's the other thing. If you're just like a kid in the wild, you're Tarzan being raised by apes, they would not, they would take a banana leaf, fold it probably in thirds and go from behind. Apes would do that. What kind of monstrosity of parents are teaching their kids to like, no, scoot your little jumblies aside and get all the way under. <laughs> There's, you're like elbow to the toilet lid at that point. I don't, who does that? Monsters. That's who. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, <laughs> good to see you guys. Um, Jason, what's up, man? Clinton, how you doing, man? All right. This is weird, right? Weird, weird time that we're living in. Um, I just got done with doing a book club earlier today. Those of you who said that you wanted to be in the book club and entered the group and did not show up today for the book club discussion. What's up? What's going on? You said you wanted to join, but you didn't show. All right, all right, I see you. I see every single one of you. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make you start wiping from the front, all right? And you get bacterial infections that way. UTIs, people. Girls. All right, um, Valpurgis Noct just happened. Valpurgis Noct, for those of you who don't know, Valpurgis Noct is a birthday celebration. It's not really a birthday, I mean, we, have co-opted it as a birthday, as every birthday is co-opted the day that they were, you know, ejected from their mother. In this particular case, the organization, the Church of Satan, was formalized um, by the late Anton LaVey uh, on Valperkestock. And so we celebrate it as year one, even though we don't really count it as year one, because years later we changed it to the new year, rather than the Valperkestock year, to count our years of fire so i'm not sure why here's a question if you no longer hold the date in the significance that it was created i.e year one of the age of fire year one anno satanus and then you then migrate that backwards or forwards to the beginning of the traditional year do we still celebrate the day? Because what are we celebrating? It's no longer the next year. That already took place months prior. So then we're just celebrating the act. But I don't know. Weird, right? Right. I think we keep it around just to confuse ourselves. We could, like, we moved the, the year back to, to the new year. Why don't we just move the celebration back to the new year? And I understand it's because it's all Pergus knocked and this has a rich history of being like a witch's, I don't know, they like gathered in around bonfires or something, right? Because <laughs> that's what they did. Never. Not once ever. But I mean, why? I don't know. Let's just keep it around because it's fun, right? However, it does give me an excuse to get together with my friends and perform a ritual. Except for this time, because this particular Walpurgisnacht, and yes, people, it's not Walpurgisnacht. I understand we like to co-opt different ethnicities and different languages and different cultures and etc. 
But this was a German name. Put a pin in that because I want to come back to Germany. This was a German name, Valpurgis Nacht. W's are pronounced with V's because they're German and not English. So, so letters sound differently, slightly. Um, sometimes dramatically different. So let's stop saying Walpurgis Nacht because it's not W. It's V. All right. I'm not personally German, so I have no stake in the fight. I'm just saying it's weird when I run across someone who's like, oh, let's celebrate Walpurgis Nacht. Because then I'm like, you really don't know shit. Why are you saying what? Well, it's, it's spelled with a W. Yeah, but it's German. You don't, you don't walk around with your English dialect saying foreign languages. Do you? I mean, if you're American, you probably do because we're <laughs> American. But most, okay, I want to get back to Germany real quick. I'm not even starting the show yet. Hold on. This is just me ranting. Uh, what other country goes by a different name, but the entire world calls them something completely different? Name one other than Deutschland. I'm waiting. It's the only country that we don't actually refer to as the same name that they call themselves. How weird is that? Right? <laughs> We're just like, hey, you know what? You tried two world wars. Mm, we're going to call you Germany now. <laughs> and they're like, okay, that's not what we call, that's not our name, but okay. It's weird, right? I've never actually looked into it, so I don't know the real reason why, why we call Deutschland Germany and why Germans call their homeland Deutschland. There's no fucking way that Deutschland translates to Germany. Is there? Weird. I don't know. Curious and curiouser. Okay. Uh, that being said, let me... <laughs> actually, I have some more notes before we dive in. Where, uh, what are we? Oh, I don't see my time markers. We're like 10 minutes in. All right. I'll do a cool 10 minutes on Germany real quick. Um couple more weeks working from home oh yeah okay so sorry i have notes that i'm reading here so uh i got a couple more weeks so i'm going to be continuing to do netflix parties and i'm going to continue doing um book clubs every week and hopefully satanists on cinema at least for a couple weeks here's my big concern with this whole quarantine thing is that um we we got additional funding my company got additional funding for the next two months but after that are people gonna continue to or start to advertise because they've stopped our company's gonna come back because quite frankly if they don't i don't have a job and so i'm really starting to think do i want to continue in this industry like i'm working toward 20 years here is that enough should i like cut my losses and move on to something else i don't know it's interesting Hey, welcome to the Ninth Circle, Bad Syntax. What up? Um, all right. That brings us to YouTube memberships. I was going to record a, a video today about YouTube memberships, telling people not to join YouTube memberships because I'm not doing anything for them. So if, if you think you're going to get something special out of me for joining, I'm very sorry to say that you are wildly mistaken. 
I am literally not going to do anything different. So uh, there's two levels. There's the sixth circle, and these are Dante's circles of hell. Uh, so the sixth circle gives you access to emoji and like a badge for like membership on the site, right? Uh, the ninth circle gives you access to previous video content, which I'm slowly moving videos over, migrating them over to membership only. Uh, for certain series, past projects, and probably the, the vlog as soon as I'm done doing daily vlogs. So that they still exist, and you can access them if you're a member, but if you're not a member, then they might as well not exist, because you will not be able to access them. And this is confused even more by my website, which I have a system that I used to use called Patreon that I ended up stopped using. And then I switched it over to site-wide memberships, which I stopped doing. And now I just have subscriptions that I call subscriber patrons, but it doesn't actually cost anything. And so you can subscribe to my site and get extra content like essays and stuff like that, that no one else gets access to. But that doesn't give you any access to the YouTube stuff. But if you subscribe to the YouTube stuff, you actually don't get any access to the website stuff. So you literally have to subscribe free on my website to read all of my free content and then subscribe to YouTube to see all of my previous content. And if you don't want to jump through any of those hurdles, I don't blame you <laughs> because I wouldn't. <laughs> so if you do, that's off to you, my friend. I appreciate it. But I'm not needing it. I don't require it. I just thought I'd do it. <laughs> so it's there. <laughs> and Clinton... That's right. Just fart all over it. <laughs> Flying butt farts. All right, that's... <laughs> they're out there. So you can you can join up if you want to. I don't care. Um, let me talk about what we're going to be talking about. Let me address what we're going to be talking about in the show. Because of all Parker's Knock, because I held a private ritual for members of the Satanic Ritual group on my website, another thing you have to subscribe to see, um, I performed a live ritual. It was very private. I treated it as if it were a group ritual, but it wasn't, in fact. It was just a private ritual. And you only saw it, and you'll only ever be able to see it, if you caught it live. If you didn't catch it live, well, you got other things to do in your life, and I don't blame you. Um, but you'll never see it again. My point being, that ritual made me want to do more ritual. It, and so all of this is coming to a head because what I'm speaking to in the Devil's Advocate section is going to be ritual aesthetics. Uh, in the Infernal Informant, I have two articles, Why You Should Return to Work Even If Unemployment Pays More, and Florida Man, it's always Florida Man, Florida Man Stalks Beach's Grim Reaper to Protest Reopening and Pandemic. And finally, in the Creature Feature, normally what I'm trying to do is cycle between different entertainment mediums, whether that's uh, film, TV series, books, games, you know, video or board or otherwise card, um, or any other type of entertainment. Today, I really wanted to talk about the great outdoors because I didn't want to talk about anything else. So we're going to talk about the great outdoors. And I'm not, ta <laughs> I'm not talking about like Tony the Tiger. Great. Sorry, I just want to squeeze that in for no reason. Um, but yeah, outdoors is good, especially if you've been quarantined. And okay, I'll, I'll get into it in a second. I don't want to People are just going crazy with those gifts. Um, or emoji. I want to go, I don't want to pre-ejaculate my storytelling. So let's, 
let's begin with i'm sorry i had a half a glass of wine before the show and it's really coming through in my monologue uh so let's dive into the devil's advocate shall we Let me throw up my image for this. This is a screenshot from that private ritual. It's, I can't believe, just as an aside really quick, I can't believe YouTube approved some of these <laughs> gifts. <laughs> because that one, the first one that Zachary just put up in the chat, that's some NC-17 shit right there. All right, but they did, so cool. All right, ritual aesthetics. I wanted to talk about this because, again, I was inspired due to the um, uh, Valparcus ritual that I just conducted. But also, I, I've always, you know, it's what got me into the occult in the first place. I've always loved the aesthetics of the occult. And satanic ritual is straight down that occult line of visual aesthetics. Um, and so what traditionally you do, of course, satanic magic, I'm not going to get into the complexities of that or what it means or anything like that. I've written essays, I've had discussions with numerous people, I've had entire shows based around it. So I'm not going to get into that. What I really want to talk about is just the visual appreciation and give you some of my thoughts. And this is not meant to be a guide for anyone. This is just me sharing my appreciation uh, because it's just a renewed interest that I you know, just did. And so it's on the front of my uh, forehead. <laughs> Forefront of my mind. <laughs> it's like right there. Uh, all right. So I actually have some favorite artifacts. And this is something that I think everyone does once they start building any semblance of an altar or planning to perform any type of a ritual. Uh, of course, you have your ritual implements in the Satanic Bible, and then everyone sort of decorates it yeah, their own ways and stuff. I do want to give a side note here for every one of you with a skull on your altar, maybe with horns in it. What are you doing? Really? Like, skull horns? Like, really? Like, originality? Does that count for anything anymore? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not shitting on anyone. Um, I've just seen so many of them so many of them that uh it, it's almost like if you're gonna post a picture online about your altar if there's not a skull with horns on it then it's not really a ritual <laughs> chamber it's not really an altar that that's that's it's just it's out there in the ether you must have horn skull is weird oh shit cameron leading with the dv hell yeah uh, okay, so my, my personal favorite artifacts. Now, what I like to do, and, and none of this is absolutely necessary to perform a satanic ritual. I want to make sure that's completely clear. If you're a Satanist who performs satanic greater magic, i.e. rituals, you do not need anything to do it. You can literally do it in your imagination. You can draw things out in order to visualize it if you need to visualize it. Um, for me... I really like having those artifacts. It it just feels good. 
And you know, that sigil Baphomet plaque behind me, that was a gift from a friend. So it has great meaning. Not to mention, if you turn it around, they drew a bunch of dicks on it. <laughs> but that's part of what I love about it, because they did something on the front that was beautiful and then decided to fuck with me on the back. And that's how I like my friends. Uh, so I adore that, but it's not my favorite. I have, uh, I'm, I'm Scottish ancestry, and so I have a kilt and I dress up for Highland Games and Renaissance festivals and stuff. I just love it. I love how it looks, and I feel comfortable in it, and it makes me feel good about myself when I wear it. Part of that is I have a claymore. Um, that's a big part of my, that's my ritual sword is what I use. Um, I recently bought a gong, which is a nice, I mean, it's a big gong and it sounds, I don't know if you guys caught the, the ritual, but it sounds brilliant. I mean, not like high pitched gongs, like the small ones tend to have like a really high pitch sound like ding. This is like a deep resounding sound. It's not as good as beads. Bead has a gong that I am very envious of. You'll know if you know, if you don't, it's okay. Um, mine, however, is not that great, but it is really good. It has a nice, nice sound. Not my favorite. My favorite is something that anyone can buy off of Amazon. It's super cheap, but it really, really sets a tone for me. And that's my Tibetan bell. So it came with like this little inner, the, the moving part of the inside of a bell. When you shake it, it like bounces back and forth and makes a sound. I took that out and I used it as a sounding rod on the outside of the bell, but it has a tone to it that is so brilliant and clear and beautiful that you hit it just bing and it just resonates out. It is fantastic. And the purpose of ringing a bell at the beginning and end of a ceremony is to sort of pollute the air and set the stage as it were. And this does it so well. Like before that, I was using this sort of makeshift little clinging bell and stuff. And hey, if you don't have anything, you make do with what you got. No shame. Um, and I did it for a very long time until I got this beauty. But it is a fantastic, fantastic bell. And the sound is just pristine. You just let it resonate and ring until it stops on its own accord, which sometimes seems a little too long, but it's brilliant. Love it. So what's your favorite ritual implement? Is it a drawing that you made? Is it a voodoo doll? Is it a particular pin or a knife? I find it interesting. Let me get into some more stuff here in a second. But <laughs> putting value in artifacts that you have, whether they're ritual or not, I think is important. Um, you can imbue them with your own energies, right? So uh, if I'm uh, making a sandwich, for example, I go for a specific knife to cut the tomato. Uh, if I'm going to clean my car, I go for a specific sponge or... Um, uh, microfiber cloth in order to clean my car. If I go for a ritual, I go for specific implements because they have either effectiveness associated with them, or it just makes me feel good about using them. And if there's anything that's uh, more important in ritual than using what resonates within you for further success, I don't know what it is. Like you have to do that with ritual. It has to have some meaning to you if you're going to use it. It may just be that it's the closest thing that you can use and hence it's the most important. That's fine. 
Or maybe it's a hand-me-down, uh, a knife that you got from your grandmother that has particular meaning. Whatever it is, there should be something that resonates in the artifact itself because that's just going to add to the ambiance. That's going to add to your ritual aesthetic. And that is so incredibly important when you're trying to generate those adrenal energies. All right, and so the second thing I want to talk about, the first was artifacts. The second is simplicity. And for me, simplicity speaks volumes. Now, we've all seen photos online of various altars out there, and some of them are very, very crowded. When I was putting mine together and I was placing items in accordance to usage and, you know, how I'm going to move about the ritual and stuff, I realized I have too much shit. I got just too much stuff on the, the altar. I need to pare it back. And what I discovered is the same exact principle that I use in my design professionally is simplicity is important. It speaks volumes. Um, in, in my design, uh, white space focuses your eye on that which you want to draw attention to. Same thing with the altar. So maybe you have a specific candle holder that resonates with you and you have your candles on there. Do you need that horn skull? What does that horn skull bring to your altar that you cannot generate through the act of ritual itself? And if it doesn't, and this is my opinion, if it doesn't add to the generation of those adrenal energies, get rid of it. Cut the fat. Trim it off at the edge and only have what is absolutely necessary for you to complete your goals. Remember, you're only going into the ritual chamber to complete something. Lust, destruction, compassion, celebration, whatever it is. If what you have on that altar is not contributing to the success of that goal, cut it off. Get rid of it. No reason. So, clutter takes away from focus. Rather than focusing on the, 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 the emotional resonance of the moment, rather than focusing on the words that are being delivered, as a participant, maybe you're focused on looking at the different things on the table. And if your attention is not where it needs to be, then you're not contributing to that ritual. Sometimes... A nude altar can be a deterrent. <laughs> I love them. I am a fan. But sometimes if all you're doing is staring at breasts and you're not thinking of the purpose of what you're doing there, one, you're not getting laid enough. And two, uh, what are you doing? Don't be a creep. It's so, the, 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 the flesh altar is meant to drum up those emotions, not to make you a deer in the headlights. You got to be present in the ritual chamber. So, simplicity speaks volumes, clutter takes away from focus. Um, familiar, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Keep your implements exotic. Don't engage with them outside the chamber. Again, personal preference, but if you are constantly ringing that gong, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe you like that bang your gong song. I don't, I don't know what the song is called. Um, <laughs> narc. Zachary is a narc. Hold on, I gotta show you guys. There you go. Um, if you are constantly using and touching and manipulating your ritual artifacts, they become common to you. And for me, what I like 
is the exoticism element of it, right? I like the fact that I don't use them often. I don't touch them and manipulate them often. Because when I do, it's with intention. There's a meaning behind it. So in the same way that I wouldn't use that special knife to cut anything, I only use it to cut tomatoes, if I did use it for everything else, why would I go back and use it for cutting tomatoes? Why wouldn't I just use any knife? If any implement will do, why use that specific implement? I guess is the point that I'm trying to get across here. So I really like, if I'm going to be using it for a specific purpose, don't use it for anything else. Don't play with it. It's not a toy. Don't fuck with it. Treat it like it's a Star Wars toy in a package on your wall. <laughs> Cameron. And don't take it out of the box. You know, it's only there for special occasions when I come over and drool at it. That's it. Other than that, don't touch it. All right. That got a little weird. Um, customize your robes or your clothing, right? So uh, I had asked a friend of mine to make a, a necklace and she made this really wonderful i don't know if she's doing these anymore but she was she this wonderful necklace with like a turtle skull at the bottom of it i had a pet turtle as a kid and so i love turtles um it's great but it's a necklace that i use for every ritual um it's just i i wear my sigil of baphomet necklace but i also wear this necklace because it has value to me it has meaning to me and i only wear it when i'm in a ritual robe I had my robes specially made. Now you can buy robes from anywhere, right? You can, there's, there's umpteen million Halloween costume shops. There's even some satanic retailers that will sell you ritual robes. But what does that say about you as a Satanist, right? Nothing. It means you're a, one of umpteen other Satanists wearing the exact same style robe. And so I had mine specially made. And though it's very, very sweaty, it traps that sweat because of the material. Um, I, it, it has value to me. It has meaning to me. So I, you don't have to go out and make your own clothing. You don't have to commission new things. But if there's a way that you can personalize the artifacts that you are wearing, whether it's a robe or a sexy outfit or a particular dress or maybe a suit, in order to have meaning to you in the chamber that you wouldn't do out of the chamber, well, that's just going to add to the exoticism of the moment, right? It's going to add to those adrenal energies because you're wearing something special. Um, and then, you know, the bottom line of all of this discussion, and really I'm just sort of wrapping it up here, is that the devil's in the details. There's a reason that saying exists. In this particular uh, context, it literally means the devil's in the details of the items that you're bringing to the table. So, keep them special. They may not be special inherently, but to you in the context of use, they will be. So keep them that way. However that means to you as the individual um, uh, Satanist. Um, do your best to only have what is essential on your altar. Don't clutter it up with whatever everyone else has on theirs. You, there's no one outfit for a Satanist. So why is there one setup for a ritual, right? Have what speaks to you in that chamber. And if you're in a group environment, everyone should try to contribute in some way, if not in presentation, 
than in having an artifact that speaks to them personally so that they are invested in that moment, in that ritual. And, and here's, I guess, maybe the, the bottom line of all of this. There's no one way to skin a cat, right? You can perform ritual however you want to do it. But if it means something to you, then it's going to be that, more, that much more potent, right? Uh, you're going to be invested in the outcome that much more. So anyone can watch anything on their phone, right? Literally, at this point in, our, in, in the, the world, you can literally watch anything on your phone. It doesn't have the same impact as if you were at an IMAX surround sound theater. The impact is greater. Well, it's the same thing. If you're just throwing together an altar because you saw some photos online and you thought that that's what an altar should look like and you're dressing the way you're dressing because other people said you should dress that way or you know everything's vanilla and generic, well, then you're just watching it on your phone. But if you take those extra steps and make it special to you, then you can do things that other people could only dream of, right? And that could be the difference between realizing your is-to-be's or not. At least that's how I see it. That's what I like. All right, what are you guys saying in here in the chat room real quick? Uh, other than the narc <laughs> telling on me. <laughs> oh, you know, it's the Claymore. Good. Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. It's such a good one. Um, it's not sharpened or anything, but it's still great. Uh, drank enough to ask, is it still alive? <laughs> yeah, it's still alive, man. <laughs> Maybe uh, have a cup of coffee or something, some water. Everything on your altar and ritual chamber is for you and to help your rituals flow like a river. I like that. I like that analogy. Uh, if anything gets in the way or distracts, then it's gone. Hell yeah. Summer robe versus winter robe material. This is an interesting question that I have never actually considered. Um, I don't know. See, okay, so for my kilts, you have your wool, which is traditional, and you have a cotton or a cotton poly uh, blend because I'm, I live in a desert. And so what about that same concept? I wonder if we could do a moisture wicking fabric for ritual robes because I've never been in a ritual chamber situation where I have not sweated profusely. I mean like swamp ass sweating profusely ever. Maybe moisture wicking would be nice. Huh, all right. If there's any satanic resellers out there listening to this, consider it. All right. Sports fabric for ritual use. I'd buy it. Um, the dildo is the altar. <laughs> All right. Good on you. That's a tough one too. Uh, really quick. I know I'm already half an hour in. Holy shit. Um, I'm ranting too much. If Again, you only really need the phallus symbol uh, if you're in a group situation. I used it during the performance because I was treating it as if it were a group situation. But what's your go-to for the phallic? Do you have, did you buy a specific like vibrator or dildo just for use in the ritual chamber? Or are you borrowing one from your significant other or your own collection? Have you ever asked to borrow someone else's and wondered 
if they use it specifically just for ritual or if they've actually used it, used it. I mean, these are things you should consider. <laughs> Possibly, right? Uh, most Satanists do more black and red than you like. Your stuff is practically Lisa Frank in comparison. Interesting. See, I've always done with the black and, uh, well, mine's like burgundy. So it's a darker tone. It's got like some copper hues. Uh, I think anything that speaks to you is good. Um, and if you're going straight by the standard Bible, women shouldn't be wearing robes at all. Look it up. It's interesting. Never even considered it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, got to get that lust rig for the movie seven. Take it off! Take it off! I would only want it if I could have that actor attached to it when I bought it so that I could take it off him because he did such a good job of losing his mind. All right, that's it for this Devil's Advocate. Uh, ritual aesthetics, people, consider it. They're important. Let's do a little Infernal Informant. Such a good film. Oh, man. It's a good, good story, too. Clive Barker's the man. Just saying, if you don't read Clive Barker, what's wrong with you? You are failing in life. <laughs> That's just a fact. All right, this is why you should return to work even if unemployment pays more. This is something a lot of people are, are having an issue with, right? Uh, the larger unemployment check may be nice now, but you may regret it staying home from work later. The Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, CARES Act, may be having unintended consequences. Dramatically expands state unemployment benefits to help households hang on financially through these unprecedented times by adding extra funding to unemployment. Unfortunately, those robust unemployment benefits may be too generous, as some workers are declining offers from former employers to return to the workforce. Consider Alabama which previously had a maximum weekly unemployment benefit of $275. The additional $600 increase raised that to $875 a week, which would be an income to anyone which was formerly making less than $45,000 a year as a straight-up increase. Even in Massachusetts, where benefits are the highest in the country, the extra $600 equates to a raise of 73%. But there are longer-term benefits for you, your employer, and the economy associated with making the tough choice to go back to work. One, you may regret staying home later. The $600 supplement is a temporary benefit that expires on July 31st, 2020. Starting on August 1st, your benefit will return to the normal amount allowed by your state. If you do choose to sit tight at home until July, you won't be the only one hitting the job market this summer. The Economic Policy Institute predicts a nationwide unemployment rate of 15.6% in July this year. 15.6% unemployment. To put that into perspective, the highest unemployment rate experienced during the Great Recession was 10%. That's huge. 
So if you wait, you're going to be trying to find a job when everyone else is. So you better be good at what you do. Two, you may lose benefits like health insurance. Health care and retirement benefits are worth a pretty penny, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Benefit costs an average account for nearly 30% of all an employee's total compensation. If you have to extend your health insurance through COBRA, which is notoriously expensive, or purchase a plan on the healthcare marketplace under a special enrollment period, uh, that's going to cost you a lot more. The loss of retirement plan benefits, such as 401k, may not be as impactful in the short term, but it could be very expensive later on. And that will cost you thousands in mi uh, missed contributions and lost earnings. Three, you may disqualify yourself from unemployment. So here's the deal. You're supposed to accept suitable job offers while you're receiving unemployment. Now there's a caveat during this situation. Under provisions in the CARES Act, you do qualify for unemployment if you turn down a job for a coronavirus-related reason. But if you reject a job offer and the pandemic ends in July then in August, you're kicked off of unemployment. You don't have a job. You don't have any income coming in. You're fucked. Four, you may put your employer in a tight spot. Under the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP, established by the CARES Act, small businesses can apply for enough money to fund eight weeks of their payroll costs. They can also use the money to pay for certain overhead expenses, including mortgage payments, rent, and utilities. These are loaned funds that will be forgiven as long as the employer meets certain requirements. PPP recipients must keep employees on the payroll or quickly bring back employees that have been furloughed or let go. And at least 75% of the forgiven amount must be used for payroll. If the employer's salaries and wages decrease or the funds are used for other purposes, the employer will lose eligibility for loan forgiveness and have to repay some or all of those funds. So if your employer got was lucky enough to get that small business loan and he's trying to be able to pay you to work your job and you refuse, he's now going to have to pay back that loan and not have anyone coming to his business to work or to sell. So how? Is he going to pay back that loan? Maybe you're the employer and you're getting screwed. Things to consider. And here's the bottom line in all of this. Uh, when we, uh, my wife and I had our children, I don't know if any of you have had kids. If you have, you understand how much healthcare, I mean, uh, uh, childcare actually costs. It's incredibly expensive. And understandably so. They're taking care of your children. But it's expensive. Sometimes people don't go to work so that one of them can stay home and take care of their kids because they can't afford, or they would end up breaking even or maybe barely make a little bit more after childcare costs. And we made a decision early on that it didn't matter. The point is, is that one, we need to expose our children to other things in life than our house. And two, we need to experience things other than our house and our kids. We need to have a life that is separate from the family unit in order to not only remain sane, but also engage in life. It is incredibly important as a human being to get outside. And that's why this pandemic is really causing people to go crazy and suicide rates have not been calculated yet. 
Domestic violence has not been calculated yet. I think those numbers are going to be staggering. Because we have to engage outside. That's why I don't buy the stay-at-home mother bullshit. Stay-at-home father bullshit. If you have to pay extra after your work in order to pay for your kids to have a life outside of your house or for you to have a life outside of your house, then do it. It's only going to benefit you in every possible way, whether it's exposure to other bacteria or virus so that you can build a healthy immunity, whether it's exposure to other cultures or individual behaviors so that you can have perspective as a human being or so that you can just get away for a few minutes. Maybe chase a dream of yours. Realize success on your own is incredibly important, at least for us. And so we made that decision. If you don't make it, that's on you. That's fine. Everyone's different. We needed to get out. And so we ended up paying the exorbitant childcare costs. And we did not end up making a lot back uh, from one of us working. But that was okay because the experience the exposure of air outside of your confined home. We were living in an apartment at that time. Uh, it was incredibly important. So again, it's up to everyone how they want to handle this, but just understand that your short-term choices, short-term choices, <laughs> have long-lasting effects. And if you're not, if you're first of all, if you're a grown-ass adult and you're not thinking long-term, you're doing it wrong, one. But two for yourself, for your own sanity. Be productive. Get back to work if you have the option of getting back to work because there's people that don't have food, that don't have shelter because of this pandemic and they would love to have that choice. So do it because you know it's the right thing to do. Do it because it's going to make you a better human being, being productive. And do it because it's just going to help the economy recover. And that helps everyone if you are at all concerned about your society. If you're not, whatever. It's cool. All right, so let's see what we have in the chat room about this. He's <laughs> just making coronavirus jokes. You need a minimum wage increase. I think most people want to be productive, but uh, what we were doing wasn't working. Uh, you're right. I, I, you know, I had sat down with Aura and had a uh, universal basic income conversation on a speak of the devil episode and i mean they you know they have it in certain u.s states alaska uh, they have subsidies for their oil drilling uh, oil drilling in that state it's weird that alaska was smart enough to charge oil corporations for stealing their oil and selling it for a profit but other states are too fucking dumb to do that like Utah, for example, when they stole uh, natives' land in order to uh, 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 frack for natural gas, and yet the state doesn't get any... That, that's a state land. That's set aside for the native people's land. Two different categories, I understand. Um, but they, they, no one's getting any benefit except for the corporation. So the state literally sold off their own land so corporations could benefit and then steal that money and natural resource from the state. If we were Alaska, they would have said, oh, hell no. We need to get our beaks wet. But no, not fucking Utah. I wonder how Kansas is doing. 
Did you guys think that too? Did you think ahead and say, hey, no, 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 it's okay. Come over, steal all of our natural gas, cause massive earthquakes, destroy our environment, and we don't want a penny. Just let industry be industry. You stupid fucks. Every single one of you states. Yeah, the governor, some of your senators get a kickback at the expense of you, the citizen. Does Texas, do every, does every Texas resident get a little taste of that oil? I hope you do. I don't know. Um, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why I went off on that rant. Uh, I guess the point is uh, get back to work if you can. That was weird, right? All right, let's do this next one because it's only Florida man that could do this. Florida man, we love you. <laughs> I saw this and I had to talk about it. Florida man stalks beach as Grim Reaper to protest reopening amid pandemic. So here's the big fear. Uh, you open too soon and you're going to have a second wave of illnesses. The reason why we had uh, the self-quarantining was to flatten the curve, flatten the infection rates. Once you have everyone all at once getting together, then you're no longer flattening those rates. They're going to spike. The reason why they wanted them to be flattened was so that the healthcare industry could handle the amount of infections at any given time. We've seen that fail in places like New York, but we've seen other places because of flattening that curve has actually allowed them to do really well in managing the, the spread of this virus. You open everything up too soon, and people get out there and stop having any concern about protective uh, uh, self-preservation, well, then suddenly your infection rates rise and you're swarming the medical industry, causing them to have to make choices about, okay, well, that person is X age. We're not even going to try to save their life. We're going to focus on someone else. Choices that are being made right now in other places around the world, in our country. So, um, <laughs> I, I love this. Death goes viral on social media after attorney dresses up to alert Floridians to the dangers of reopening their economy too soon. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced on Friday the state parks will soon reopen, even as the coronavirus pandemic continues and death himself, the Grim Reaper, appears on the beach. So the Grim Reaper in question was actually Daniel Ulfelder, the... Sorry if I butchered that, dude. A lawyer and campaigner for public beach access who put on a cowl and wielded a scythe in an attempt to alert Floridians to the dangers of reopening their economy too soon. He told CNN, We are at the point now where we have enough testing, enough data, enough preparation for what's going on to, uh, to be coming to our state from all over the world from this pandemic. I know how beautiful and attractive our beaches are, but if we don't take measures to control things, this virus is going to get really, really out of control. So his concern is that there is going to be a second wave because everyone went all out into the beach all at once. I made a note last week that I went up into the canyons and every Utah, and this was even before they lightened restrictions, was up in the damn canyons, all in these group picnic areas right next to each other. Utah is now much more open. Crazy because... Nevada is still on a complete lockdown, but right next door, we're just like, fuck it. Let's get out there. Mormons. Yay. Right. Weird. But that's what they're doing. It will be interesting to see whether or not a second wave hits. 
And I am of the mind, and I, I spoke an entire show about exposing yourself to bacteria and that we're being far too careful. So I'm trying to straddle this line between understanding the true devastation that this virus can have on some people, and on the other side, the preservation of a species through herd immunity. If we're self-quarantining and we're not being exposed to this virus, we are not developing herd immunity to it. It's plain and simple. You have to be exposed to things. Now, hopefully, the amount of people that are having severely negative effects on the virus are going to be able to be taken care of by the hospitals, but that's only if we slowly reintroduce people into groups. If we just lift the floodgates, well, then they're going to be overwhelmed and they're not going to be able to take care of the population. And that's really what this is all about. It's not about confining you to your houses. It's not about stopping the spread of the virus. It's about containing that spread so that it can be managed effectively. We have to be exposed to it. Plain and simple. We have to. Otherwise, we're going to continue having the problem. Uh, okay, so that's where I stand. Um, according to researchers at John Hopkins University, there have been more than 1.1 million confirmed cases of COVID in the U.S. and more than 65,000 deaths. There have been nearly 300, um, sorry, 35,000 cases in Florida alone and just over 1,300 deaths. Uh, Ull Felder hopes to use his protest to reap donations to Democrats running for Congress. DeSantis... I don't know why I added a T to that. DeSantis, a Republican, defended the reopening of some beaches, citing a controversial Department of Homeland Security, DHS, study. He said showed sunlight, heat, and humidity, plentiful commodities in Florida, can kill COVID-19. Fucking Republicans, man. <laughs> the DHS has said that the study is preliminary and is undergoing peer review. Okay. So... Um, yeah, we, we have, in, the only way that you can truly understand is to study, right? That's really what it comes down to. We haven't been able to get our heads above water at this point in order to properly study. We have studies ongoing. During that study, before we know facts, we're saying, eh, fuck it, everyone get out there. The problem with that is that we don't understand what's happening. We don't understand the complexities of the virus because it does manifest differently in different people. And unless we understand what we're fighting in the healthcare industry, how can we effectively give suggestions on how to treat it or how to prevent it? We're in a really difficult time. I think we need to continue on with life, but we need to have enough testing that everyone can get tested so we can understand the scope of the problem and then understand the problem itself and then make judgment calls. Blanket opening everywhere uh, is just going to cause more problems. And that's not an opinion, that's a reality that we're going to have to face. So I don't think we should be narking on people who are getting together in groups. And I don't think we should all be going and getting into groups. If you're immunocompromised, maybe stay home. If you're not, do your thing. But maybe wear a mask in public. Is it going to kill you? No, it's probably actually going to save you. Consider it. And that's going to do it for this Infernal Informant. Let's do a little creature feature. Um, I'm going to have to read you guys' comments later. Because <laughs> there's too many of them. Here we go.
beautifully digesting that dude's arm <laughs> as he screams with horror. Oh, I didn't open up the... Oh, I did. Okay. Sorry. Um, oh, that's from the fly, man. Come on, CN doll. You are missing out. <laughs> Brundlefly. That's right. That's right. You got to see the fly. Not the original, the remake. Um, okay. Anyway. The Great Outdoors. I want to talk about The Great Outdoors as a special place in the cockles of my heart. I love me some Great Outdoors. All right. So um, I want to talk about this because, again, traditionally in this segment, I'm talking about things that uh, I enjoy or have profound meaning. This is certainly one of them. And this is not because I happen to enjoy the outdoors. This is because we are human animals who have always existed in the outdoors. We're in a time in humanity's lifespan where we are actually, a lot of us, living in urban centers or even confined suburban spaces where we're never exposed to the outdoors. How many of you have ever actually seen the Milky Way belt in the sky? It's an honest question. Part of the human experience has always been to witness the rotating sky above our heads. We're the ones rotating, but as far as it looks to us. We've always been able to witness the procession of the stars. We've seen the magical colors of our Milky Way arm streak across the sky. And yet people now, this is from the beginning of time, and just recently, since the Industrial Revolution, a couple hundred years, People live their entire lives never seeing it. Maybe they saw it in a photograph once. They've never seen it with their naked eyes. This is part of what it means to be a human being, and you've never experienced it. How can you even identify as a human animal if you've never acted like one? If you've never run your fingers through dirt or jumped into a lake? If you've never had that squishy moss and disgusting uh, murky uh, mud in, in a lake underneath your toes, if you've never had little bacteria or a leech attach onto you, if you've never eaten dirt, if you've never played in the rain or had not lightning strike right next to you because you didn't care that it was raining, you're still going to play outside for fuck's sake. That's what it means to be a human animal. Not sit on a couch and stare at a screen like you're all doing right now <laughs> or like I'm doing right now. Um, but it's just for this hour, uh, maybe a little over an hour. Cause I can't shut the fuck up. This is what it means to be human is to get outside and experience life on this planet. The only life that we know of in this fucking solar system, let alone galaxy, let alone universe. And people are actively avoiding it. It is what grounds us as a species. And people actively avoid it. All right, so that's my diatribe. The beauty of nature cannot be experienced through a photograph like that one. You have to be out there. You have to feel the wind. You can feel a storm coming. You can actually feel it. There is static in the air that your hairs on the back of your arms and on the back of your neck, the wind brushing against your cheeks. You can feel it. And you are connected with it in that moment. 
It is brilliant. It is magnificent. The total definition of that word. To be in nature. Watching light filter through the leaves of trees in a forest. Feeling it burning your skin as you're marching across whatever. Letting the water of a lake filter through your fingers. Trying to catch a fucking frog or salamander just to look at him for a second before you let him go again. Letting a bug land on you and then examining that bug instead of like freaking out and smacking it. We share this planet. Why not act like it? It feels pretty good because understanding the environment that you're really living in, not the boxes that are in that environment that we actually live in, is integral to what it means to be human. All right. So it's not just the visual, it's the atmosphere, it's the feeling. It's the senses, the smell. You know that smell? There's actually a name for it, but I can't think of it right now. The smell after a good rain of this wet soil. The smell of your lawn after you cut it or walking through a field of wild flowers. Oak scrub. Sagebrush. It's brilliant. It grounds you in the moment and it connects you. It turns on something inside your lizard brain that no device could ever turn on. It reminds you that you're alive. You're not a one and a zero. You're alive. When everything else we touch in life is a one and zero, we're alive. That means something. And the idea of connection for me, I've always explained it as in we are connected to the land. But that's not really what I'm talking about. Because yes, we are connected to the nature that exists on this rock hurling through space. We are part of it. We share DNA with all of the plants and animals on this planet. So we are innately connected. But there's also the active connection. When I take my kids out into the mountains, they're fucking screaming and hating me and moody as shit. But I'm sharing a piece of who I am with them in that same moment. That after I die, I'm hoping they're going to... I'm going to fucking cry here. Um, I'm hoping they're going to reflect on and have fond memories of. You're connecting with your lover or your partner or friends. You're sharing that human connection together that you cannot get in a fucking Zoom call. And so maybe a couple tips for those of you who aren't familiar or haven't tested the boundaries yet. Always go out prepared. All right. Don't go out in your yoga pants with a bottle of water for a 10 mile hike. <laughs> Don't fucking do it. Plan on having enough water that you're going to get stuck out of there for a night. You won't. You're only going out for a couple hours probably, but plan on a whole day. Always bring food. Now it's easy to grab Oreos or candy bars or whatever. That's easy. And it may give you a little bit of a sugar high when you need it to get over that final mile or that final peak. But you can get just as much energy out of fruit or vegetables, fresh or dried, jerky, um, 
trail mix. Nuts. Nuts are great. Not that, you perverts. <laughs> the other nuts. Those nuts are pretty awesome, too. But the other nuts. Um, and, of course, you should always bring your animals out there. I'm always stunned every time we go out hiking. Because every asshole that sees us looks at my shih tzu and is like, Oh, look at her. She's doing so well with her little legs. She's a fucking animal. We're taking her out here with the rest of us animals. Why is that different? Why is that special? If I had a chihuahua, I would bring it hiking with me. The size doesn't mean anything. It's not special. She's still my friend, and I'm going to bring her with me into the mountains. And she loves it! She turns alive! She's not timid and afraid like she is in the fucking city. She reminds herself, as soon as she gets out there, I'm a fucking dog, and there's smells. Holy shit, things smell. It's not this weird bleach, disinfectant smell that the rest of the fucking world smells like I live in. This is actual nature and dirt and plants and bugs and other animals and pee and shit. Oh, this is great, and she goes crazy, and she loves it. And people look at that, and they think that's strange. What's wrong with you that that's strange? And do you have animals that you're holding in a fucking cage called a home or an apartment that you're not letting out here with you? What's wrong with you? Are you torturing them? That's ridiculous. Bring them out. But if you bring your animals out, don't forget they need food and water too. Now, there's really great little packs that you can have for animals of almost all size where they can carry their own food and water in. But if not, put it on your fucking pack. Just fucking, you know, be a man. Pack your other animals' stuff. Don't ever forget about your animals. Um, not only forgetting about them by leaving them home, but don't forget about them when you take them with you to make sure that they have food too. And I'm not talking about human food scraps. Don't do that to your animals. Unless you're eating raw meat. Bring them something to eat. It's only fair. That That's one thing that I always we always do when we take our kids out is we always want snacks. We want snacks that are going to excite them. that are going to be healthy, give them the energy they need, but not drain them. Um, and so it's a bit of an enticement, you know, same with animals. You get to that peak, give them something nice. Give them a treat. They dirt. They fucking earned it. Just like you did. They were up there. You know, they probably didn't sweat as much as you, or maybe they did. I don't know. Um, they probably loved it more than you. Don't forget about them. All right. So get a life straw just in case you run out of water. It's very lightweight and can literally save you. Yeah. You know, they do really great things nowadays with water filtering uh, devices. So definitely look into whatever works for the environment that you're getting out into. Educate yourself before you get out. But definitely get out. It's huge. If you can get away from the city for a little bit in the middle of the night and go to a park and not worry about someone stabbing you and just looking at... That's so shitty that you have to think that way. Um, and just looking up at the night sky, it is awe-inspiring. Seriously. It's amazing. If you've never seen it, if you've never gone camping, and yeah, sometimes it sucks because you got rocks in your back or it's just not as cushy and soft as your bed but you're having an experience that every human animal has had from the beginning albeit a 
greatly enhanced experience because you probably have a sleeping bag and you probably have a sleeping mat and you probably have a tent over you. But, but you're connecting with it as close as you're comfortable connecting with it. And that's a good connection to have. So consider it. All right. Well, that's going to do it. I've run a little bit over here. I appreciate you all hanging in there with me as I rant and raved on this particular episode about this stuff. Um, thank you guys for joining in the chat. I dig it. I really do. I know I can go off on stuff and I can be super preachy and judgy and uh, a fucking straight up douchebag. I get that. <laughs> I live with myself. I know. Um, but your commentary, whether it coincides or is in opposition to my own, enriches the experience for anyone live in the chat room or who comes in and watches these videos after the fact. And I think it's valuable that people see opinions that are not just echoing each other's and that sometimes challenge them. Um, because I don't pretend to have any... Uh, I don't know any more truths than anyone else out there. I'm just speaking from my own experience. And that's all any of us can do. And the more perspectives you can have in that way is only going to make you a better human being in every possible way. So expose yourselves. <laughs> All right. That's it, everyone. Have a fantastic weekend. I hope you guys had an opportunity to get out to breathe some fresh air. And if not, go for a walk tomorrow night. You know, instead of watching or binging that show, just go outside. Take some deep breaths and walk around your block a couple times, if it's safe. Shitty, you have to say that. That's going to do it for this week. If you guys want to learn anything more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, I didn't teach you anything in this episode, but you can look it up, churchofsatan.com, or just read the Satanic Bible or read the Satanic Scriptures. They're great. They're filled with information that is invaluable. Revisit them, too, because you always find new nuggets of wisdom. And uh, until next week, everyone, hail that Satan.